0: Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go!
1: It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now,
0: here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and he. It's the Monday after the regular season, and uh, while most of my colleagues are taking some time off, I am not. I'm Jamie Eisenberg here on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, and I am pleased, honored, thrilled, to be joined by the hardest working man in CBS Sports, Will Brinson. Will, how many uh, how many blog posts have you written on uh, on today? Today's the, the day when a lot of the coaches are being fired.
1: Uh, we're recording this on Black Monday. I th- it's really—I told you 14 before the show. It's probably like four, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> but I, I am running, as we speak, a live blog uh, where we're where we're keeping up with all the rumors and all of that. I'm going to rank the head coaching openings this evening. Um, I, I did a, I did a recap of the full week. Uh, before, and, um, what else am I doing? I, I gotta make some picks, and I gotta do a playoff bracket before I go to this New Year's party. So that's exciting. Uh, of course, it all comes down more importantly to NC State's bowl game tonight. That's what Okay,
0: well, I, I wish you good luck. And for those of you listening, you'll know if NC State won or not. Uh, I got my bowl game out of the way. The Gators beat Michigan, so I am happy about that. I can relax and enjoy college football. Will will sweat out, uh, his, uh, his alma mater on, uh, on Monday night. Uh, As Will told you, uh, we're recording this on Monday, the day after the regular season ended when all the coaches um, have been fired, at least the ones that we were expecting to be let go. Uh, We'll talk about that. We'll get into what happened in Week 17, kind of spin it forward, looking ahead to uh, the 2019 season. As we've told you, we've been kind of slowly going through our rankings process of quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, top 12 overall. You can find that on the site on CBSSports.com um adam Azer is uh, enjoying his time off with his uh beautiful family heath cummings and dave richard are just taking a few days off they will be back when we record uh hopefully at least one of them uh later this week was as adam has told you we'll be doing two shows uh per week for at least the next month and a half or so and then we'll uh, kind of reevaluate where we're at going in throughout the off season but
1: by the way, Jamie, if you need, I, I will, uh, I, we got such a nice bump the last time I made a guest appearance. The Pick Six podcast got such a nice bump on iTunes. People jumped it out and checked it out, uh, from this show that I'm, I'm more than willing to, uh, to join you for a second show this week. I, if you're I, desperate, I
0: w- if you're desperate. I would love for you to join. I was just going to say, you know, you can listen to Will on the Pick Six podcast and, uh, I'm, Finding out as we're going through the off season that not only is Will going to continue to record his podcast, I think there may be some uh, some live appearances maybe during Super Bowl week. Is am I understanding that correctly?
1: I think that's the case. We're going to do so. We, like this, this thing was hatched by our. Uh, I mean, my boss, our our boss, Eric K. Like I don't, I don't know how the. the I have little...
0: like twenty five bosses, so yeah, I'm sure
1: no, right, right, right. So do I? Yeah, any, anybody can fire me at any moment, but. Um, <laughs> They'll probably have to to the show or both <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I was very surprised. I keep getting, like, I'll hear, like, secondhand feedback from, like, upper echelon bosses about my podcast. I'm like, Oh, they listened to that specific show at that specific time. Interesting. Because something I said with, or like Brady Quinn said something about the things being thrown on the field in, in Buffalo. Anyway. Um, yeah. Eric, Eric actually, uh, EK, we started it last year before the draft. Uh, which was cool, except then we had to fill a daily show June, July, and August, so this kind of feels easy we 're going to do some live shows from the uh from the Super Bowl radio row pretty excited about that
0: i i 'm looking forward to maybe joining you if you 'll allow me and, of course. and certainly watching from afar from uh
1: from <laughs>
0: team radio row all right let 's get into um uh first off the the news of the day the coaches that were fired there were six coaches let go between Sunday night and Monday. We know there are two coaches coaching vacancies already at hand with the Packers and browns um by the time you may be listening to this, there may have been a, a hire or two. Uh, who knows with uh, some of the interview process, the, the Packers already started bringing guys that they're talking to. But let's start with the ones that happened uh, Sunday night and Monday. The Jets let go of Todd Bowles. The Buccaneers let go of Dirk Cutter. The Bengals let go of Marvin Lewis. Dolphins got rid of Adam Gase. The Cardinals let go of Steve Wilkes. And the Broncos let go of Vance Joseph. Any of those surprise you, Will?
1: I think Adam Gase may be a little bit surprising. Three years in, in Miami. Um, you know, he had, he won 10 games his first year. In 2016, won six games. In 2017, and seven games this year. Uh, last year, you know, it was a running joke, but last year he had Jay Cutler the whole time. That's not right. easy. I mean, the guy's like freaking 40 years old and, and coming out of retirement. And uh, and then this year he had a whole lot of Brock Osweiler, and he was always sort of saddled with, um, you know, with Ryan Tannehill. I think the lesson, by the way, Jamie, is stop taking jobs in the AFC East. Everybody, just right. don't do it. Uh, Gase is actually the 18th coach fired since Bill Belichick took over. I wow. think Belichick's been there. 18 years now so good good for you because coach fired at least one every single year um that one caught me a little bit off guard i knew it was certainly a possibility but i would say that's the only one i was truly surprised by
0: steve wilkes has gone after one season in arizona another set of uh, unfortunate circumstances with the gm situation you know paying sam bradford uh, offensive lineman issues offense coordinator getting fired you know just a whole host of scenarios there so he's one and done was that a surprise as well
1: No, I, well, no, I didn't think so. I, I had been sort of not championing, championing Steve Wilkes to get fired because I don't, you don't ever want somebody to get fired. And I actually have, I don't know if you ever read this story or not, but my cousin, uh, Bryant Graber, who's a special, special needs kid in, uh, Charlotte, Steve Wilkes befriended him at the, at the local Charlotte Y, became one of his good friends. Joe Parson wrote a cool story about it for the Charlotte Observer. So like, I have a, I have a real, like, high level of sympathy and, or empathy or whatever it is for Steve Wilkes. But I just thought that this, the Cardinals team looks so lifeless throughout the season and that they were so, the, the lack of creativity with David Johnson, um, the inability to really develop other weapons, the inability to keep Josh Rosen healthy. You have Patrick Peterson demanding a trade. I mean, this is your best defensive player being utilized outside of what he does best, which is press man coverage being put in the Steve Wilkes scheme. It just seems like the whole hire of Steve Wilkes was very short sighted. In that, it was sort of like, "All right, we waited too long. We need to get a we need to get a coach, and this guy did not have experience, but we'll give him a shot." And it, you know, it clearly didn't work out. I, I for whatever horrible reason, Jamie, I watched a lot of Cardinals games down the stretch, and nice. that that is the most lifeless team I have ever seen. The 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 I, the only time I've ever seen a team look worse or that bad was the Panthers in um in two thousand and 10 when they had jimmy clausen before they drafted cam newton um and i just thought it was time to make a change for in arizona
0: yeah it uh it it does seem unfortunate you had you know guys like peanut tillman come out and say you know he's a good guy give him a chance uh larry Fitzgerald i think said you know he he wouldn't be opposed to him coming back but uh what you said is basically what michael bidwell said as well the the it didn't feel like they were in a lot of games and, and that unfortunately leads to steve wilkes being fired Uh, Todd Bowles probably not a surprise as well. Same thing with Marvin Lewis, you know, two guys that were just kind of, I think, end of their 10 years, obviously Marvin Lewis, 16 years, Todd Bowles, I think it was four years for him. Um, Pete Prisco and I drink, we're talking about the, uh, (laughs) the, the, the Jets job. Uh, does that feel to be the most attractive to you? Just given what the market is? what the salary cap situation is, and the fact that they do have their quarterback in place.
1: I think it is a very attractive job. I would not name it the most attractive job. We are, are, we, are we talking about the ones who just were vacated or are we including Cleveland and Green Bay in there as well?
0: Uh no I I mean he, he this is just again Pete's perspective just from the standpoint of the market you know just being able to say you can work in New York and if you get no, that right no. you know what that means
1: yeah I get no, I get that I don't want to work in New York I'd rather work I mean not like I want to be in Cleveland over New York or Green Bay over New York but I think that there's I think I think Christopher Johnson has done a good job in terms of building stability for the Jets that they didn't have when Woody Johnson was running things but I do worry especially when you look at Arizona and New York that you're talking about two Coaching jobs where the GM is on thin ice. I mean, Steve Kime is on thin ice in Arizona now that he's had to fire, a, a, you know, or let go of a second coach, however you want to describe what happened to Bruce Arians. I mean, it's clear that Mike McCagney is on thin ice. He has to find somebody who can develop, um, Sam Darnold. And I, you know, I, I think that the pressure that comes with having a GM who's a little worried about his, his, you know, his ability to, to stay employed, and the same thing applies to Tampa Bay, um, you know, makes it a little bit more difficult to take the job. For instance, Cleveland and Green Bay. I think those GMs are firmly secure in their position, right. and so if you take that job, you are especially in Cleveland with Dorsey just being hired. Um, you know, ditching Hugh Jackson, you're going to be linked with Dorsey if you get hired by him in Cleveland, and you've got Baker Mayfield there. So I would say Cleveland one, Green Bay two, uh, New York three for me.
0: And and Pete's argument against the Packers, which I understand it. He doesn't I, like
1: Aaron Rodgers. It's understandable. I it. I it.
0: He hates Aaron Rodgers, but he did say, you know, Rodgers being older, sure. Is something to consider when you're looking at these jobs that have these younger quarterbacks. And so I, I think that's something to take into account. But like, I guess the, the, the one person who's in this position would probably be Josh McDaniels because he seems to be the one who's going to be the most sought after of the coaching candidates. Now there is a report. You you mentioned this about Adam Gase being fired. He's the one I think that is already getting job offers or job interest from these available teams, Cleveland being one of them. So that could be a fun fit to see how he would do with a stable quarterback situation yeah. and a guy that actually has the potential to improve as opposed to somebody like Ryan Tannehill who probably maxed out even before Adam Gase got there. Uh, what do you think the Bengals do to replace Marvin Lewis given their track record of just staying sort of with guys that the ownership group knows?
1: You know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to hire Hugh Jackson.
0: <laughs> it's so bad.
1: It's so bad. I mean you're begging Baker Mayfield to paddle your fanny twice a year. That's a, something. Well, f- everybody
0: to paddle the twice a year, but I know what you're saying right, about right, Baker.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. But you're like literally begging Baker to just beat the tar out of you twice a year. Um, I think the, the other name that was, um, that was linked with the, the Bengals was Vance Joseph, who could be a possibility there. I, I, look, I, I thought that Vance Joseph, was a hyper conservative coach who did, made a lot of mistakes in his first run with Denver, but probably had an unfair setup there and could do maybe a better job. I mean, th- that Denver team was on the decline. John Elway hasn't stocked the roster. They don't have the quarterback situation figured out. They added Bradley Chubb to Vaughn Miller, which is great. And they have Chris Harris and, you know, like Justin Simmons and some pieces on the back end, Bradley Roby. But I mean, it's not a great Denver team. It's not the Super Bowl winning Denver team that I think they believe in their minds that they are. So I can see, I mean, I would rather have Vance Joseph than, uh, than certainly I would rather have Hugh Jackson in, in Cincinnati. The other thing that was interesting, and it's not going to happen now, but I just thought it was fascinating, uh, there were, there was rumors about Mike Zimmer. Potentially departing Minnesota based on the way things ended. And then he would, in theory, go to Cincinnati. That's clearly not the case anymore. The, you know, the Vikings have said he will stay. Um, yeah, I, I think Cincinnati is going to do exactly what you described. They're going to go with something familiar, something boring, and it's probably going to be Hugh Jackson or, uh, or, or, or Vance Joseph. And I'll tell you this, Jamie, watch the timing of the contract for the new Bengals coach, because Mike Brown is as cheap as they get. And I would not be surprised if he lined up that coaching contract with the expiration of the new CBA to avoid paying uh, while there's, if there's a potential work stoppage.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, Frugal and Mike Brown, uh, two words that definitely go together and, and Hugh Jackson <laughs> and losing uh, another thing. <laughs> that, that tend to go together. Um, the Bucks, you know, letting go of Dirk Cutter again, probably not a big surprise there. Do you think they give any consideration to Todd Motkin?
1: They should. I mean, he would. It would be a big leap to be a head coach, and I really do think it goes underrated. Just like the differences in being a great coordinator versus being a great coach. Because it's like it's like going from being an OC in college to being a head coach in college. All of a sudden, you have to deal with boosters, and you have to deal with budgets, and you have to deal with you know uh, fans and, and, and coaching. I mean, like there's so many other things that go on, and so I, I think from that perspective, you're taking a leap of faith with a guy like Todd Munkin. But he's he's already generating interest from the Jets, um, which would be a, a smart... Higher and if you look at the success of his offenses over the course of his career, wherever he's been in college and in the pros, whether it was with Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston last year, he's created offense. And um, I, I think if you're a if you're a team that has a young quarterback, Todd Munkin is a guy you should look at.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny because like I I don't see why you see it in baseball, you know, giving younger and, and even basketball too, you know, younger coaches that work with Sean McVay, you know, who's uh, still very young. Um, opportunities and just to see what happens like uh, there's a report as we're talking uh, the St. Paul Pioneer Press is uh is saying that Kevin Stefanski is a potential candidate to interview for the Browns head coaching job and he is 36 years old yeah so Todd Machin, I think Freddie Kitchens too I know he's never done it before but you see what he's done with with Baker, why not give him an opportunity to maybe get the Browns job too? You know, so guys that have, you know, maybe not coaching experience, but give them a chance just to see if, in fact, the rapport that you see or the the relationships that they can maybe move on. So just to recap: Bengals fire Marvin Lewis, Dolphins move on from Adam Gase, Cardinals get rid of Steve Wilkes, Jets move on from Todd Bowles, Broncos get rid of Vance Joseph, the Bucks fire Dirk Cutter. And the Packers and Browns are also looking for new head coaches. So
1: just, eight, just, just real quickly on, on Todd Munkin, too. His only head coaching experience at any level, I believe, is with Southern Miss. Um, he took over, uh, so Larry Fedora left in 2011, Southern Miss and went to the, went to, um, uh, Carolina. And when Larry Fedora left, that program bottomed out. I mean, it cannot get any worse. They went 0-12 the following year with Ellis Johnson, who got fired after one season. Munkin okay. came. He went 1-11 and then 3-9, and but in three years had them at 9-5, and which is just a really impressive move to me considering the state of where that program was.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, sometimes you just got to give a guy an opportunity. And when they prove themselves, you're like, oh, smart hire. Rams did that with McVay. Smart hire. And, and you see how it... Uh, how it could potentially go. So we'll see. Uh, Worst case scenario, he's getting an offense coordinator job somewhere in the NFL. And I I would hope it's somewhere that could make him uh, make his guys a little bit more fantasy relevant. A couple or at least one other coaching news um, that for me is troubling for the Falcons guys. They fire both. I'm sorry, all three of their coordinators, uh, offense coordinator, defense coordinator and special teams coordinator. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian being the name that most fantasy owners probably know. Matt Ryan has proven that in year two. Uh, of an offense coordinator, he can be great. In year one, however, mm. he tends to struggle. Um, are you surprised by this move that they keep Dan Quinn but fire all three of their coordinators? And, and how do you think that the Sarkeesian move will impact Matt Ryan, obviously contingent on who they're going to hire in that spot?
1: I mean I, I mean, I would say I'm surprised at what they did in terms of cleaning out the coordinators. But I am not surprised, given that the, the Super Bowl is in Atlanta this year. Arthur Blank clearly embarrassed and upset that his team, which he thought might be playing for a Super Bowl in their home stadium, is not even 7-9, not even close to the playoffs, eliminated weeks ago. I think he thought long and hard about firing Dan Quinn and ultimately said, you need to make some changes now and they need to work out next year or else there's going to be potentially more changes in the future. What, what I don't get, Jamie, is – when you go back and look at the history of Matt Ryan, he's now had five offense. This will be, this next guy hired will be his fifth offensive coordinator. Jason Lockerford reported that Daryl Bevel might interview for that job, which I mean, I, I guess that's something. I mean, the Bevel. Dan Quick
0: guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. he's a Dan Quick? I mean, but it's just, to me, that doesn't make any sense to, to take a quarterback who has shown continually that he is much better when he has continuity through a second year and to, to to change up the offensive coordinator in what is a critical season, especially when Matt Ryan threw for 4,924 yards, second career high, 35 touchdown passes, second career high, um, had 69.4% completion, second career high and 8.1 yards per attempt. I know a lot of it was garbage time. I know they had a terrible defense, so he had to throw more often, but they lost Devontae Freeman. And if it's me, I would have let Steve Sarkeesian have one more year. And so t- that's a little bit surprising. And I do wonder what this offense will look like if Daryl Bevel is running it instead.
0: Uh, yeah, it uh, it's, it's not good. This was uh, the numbers you listed second best year for him behind his MVP season, which was his second year with Kyle Shanahan. Yep. So um, we, we had this conversation about our quarterback rankings. And, and one thing that I pointed out, and, and I think Dave agreed with Dave Richard agreed with is we both have Matt Ryan in the top 10. I think he's still, Worth that back end of that group, but it's just you see the numbers in his first year. His first year with Steve Sarkeesian after an MVP season, not very good at all. Um, the other news I want to ask you about, the Jaguars are talking about removing the guarantees from Leonard Fournette's contract. We know about the statement that Tom Coughlin made being disappointed in the behavior on the bench between Leonard Fournette and TJ Eldon. If you haven't seen that, both guys, Fournette being inactive, TJ Eldon not playing, sitting on the bench looking very disinterested in watching their team lose once again. Uh, in a Week 17 finale to the Houston Texans. Uh, what do you make of Leonard Fournette's future in Jacksonville, or maybe not in Jacksonville, moving forward in 2019?
1: Yeah, I think recently, uh, later on Monday, Tom Coughlin confirmed that they did remove the guarantees from his contract. First of all, if I'm Leonard Fournette, I'm furious. Like, like you just took my guarantee. Like, the only thing you get as a rookie when you get your deal is that fully guaranteed contract. Um, and I, I understand that the Jaguars have the right to do that based on the contractual agreement they had. Uh, Leonard Fournette... First of all, what a disaster of a pick if you're, if you're the Jaguars, you could have had Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson and Pete Prisco, or Drink, Prisco, Prisco Drink, sorry, um, you know, reported at leading up to the draft, the 2017 NFL draft that the Jaguars and Tom Coffin really liked Deshaun Watson and they decided to go with Fournette instead. Now it all, it got to an AFC championship game. I get it. They were very close to making the Super Bowl, but to do this to, they have, They have now, Jamie, taken all of their assets and shoved them into one spot where they said, we're going to be a ball control running team with Leonard Fournette that allows Blake Bortles to do what we, you know, to manage the game and to make some occasional plays. And they're going to cut Blake Bortles. And it looks like they could cut or trade Leonard Fournette. I, you know... Maybe maybe removing the guarantees from his contract. I assume that follows him if he's traded. I don't know who would trade for Leonard Fournette given his contract status and given um, what they would have to deal with and his lack of productivity and his injury history. So to me, I think Leonard Fournette it stays on the Jaguars. But I wouldn't be surprised if he became a free agent and had to side somewhere else. I don't. I don't think they can trade him.
0: It. it I mean, fifth round pick or later at this point. I don't think anybody's given a, a first through fourth.
1: I, I just don't know if he's like. You have to take on a top ten running back salary for a guy who's going to demand a contract in a year and has never really been productive and doesn't stay healthy. I, I can't see why anybody would give up a, a fifth for it.
0: So if he does stay in Jacksonville, which probably the, the logical situation, just given what this team looks like, can you trust him as a number two running back? Because he's definitely not going to be a number one guy.
1: Yeah, I think Leonard Fournette would be. So this is where I humble brag and point out that I won the June Magazine League. Uh, Congratulations! Twice in a row, two years in a row. I should. I should, I, know that. I should follow, uh, just follow what I do in June more often. <laughs> um, but I, I, do think that Leonard Fournette would be a good draft value in terms of a potential back bounce back because we know he does have the talent. He's shown that if you can string together a healthy season behind a good offensive line with a team that is going to, you know, dedicate some resources to him and make sure to give him the rock and get the volume. Um, I, I would, I would absolutely take Leonard Fournette in. The third round, I guess, is probably where I would take him. Third or fourth round, depending on the situation, and then hope that he could turn into an RB one and have a bounce back year. That's how you win a league.
0: Absolutely. If he stays healthy, they're going to get Norwell back healthy. They're going to get Robinson back healthy, and the quarterback situation most likely draft a young guy and pair him with a veteran, whoever that may be, Joe Flacco, you know, somebody of that that ilk. Um, there's there's a lot to like about Fournette in a bounce back situation. We'll start with this game. The Texans beat the Jaguars 20-3. to The Texans lock up the AFC South title. Is there anybody besides Fournette, just looking at this current Jaguars roster, that maybe you can see having a step-forward, I don't want to say breakout, but step-forward performance? And, and they have a young receiving core with D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Chark, and you know, we'll see if they bring back Dante Moncrief. Keelan Cole's been, a, uh, I would say, a bust just based on some moderate expectations for him. But is it just really at this point looking at it Fournette or bust?
1: I think Westbrook is a guy you could take as a, as a bench wide receiver and hope that he gives you some, you know, eventually could be a wide receiver three. Maybe, I mean, he has the upside of being a wide receiver two. If this team runs more, I mean, passes more, I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, you, you, I mean, you know, we're talking about here a ceiling. Westbrook had 717 yards. He's only 25 years old though. It's, it, by the way, it's crazy that he's the same age as DD, as Dante Moncrief. How is that even? Possible. Hey, Mark, yeah, Keelan Cole, twenty five. Um yeah, I, I don't think that there's anybody you can really trust in terms of a long term basis with these guys. Uh but I think, you know, if Moncrief walks then Westbrook is a guy that you could, you know, snare late in drafts and hope. I, I don't think you want to trust him as a starting guy, whether it's a wide right. receiver three or a flex. But I think if he's on your bench, he can give you a little bit of upside depending on who the quarterback is moving forward. If this is Cody Kessler and Blake Bortles again, I just don't think you can trust anybody. Uh, maybe if they upgrade to Joe Flacco, I like, I don't, I don't, what's the upgrade here? I don't know, you know?
0: I, I think you look at it again, it's, it's a receiving core that's very uninspiring. Now I will say this. Marquise Lee could come back and be the number one guy coming off last year's torn ACL. We'll see how that impacts things for this receiving core. They were kind of in a little bit of a scramble mode when they lost Lee in the preseason. But uh, uh, Keelan Cole, for what it's worth, in Week 17 led them in targets, four catches for 45 yards. But uh, quarterback will have to be, I think, the biggest issue when evaluating Jacksonville and their receiving core. Miami and Buffalo, uh, we'll, we'll kind of skip around here to some games. So uh, Miami and Buffalo, they finished off the season 42-17, to 17, a Bills victory. Um, the Dolphins, again, they're going to move on from Ryan Tannehill. We'll find out who's going to be in, in, in charge of the Dolphins. We'll talk a lot about them more in depth as the offseason moves on. But Buffalo... You got to be impressed with what Josh Allen did as a fantasy quarterback to close the season. Uh, 20 or more fantasy points in three of his final six games, uh, over 90 yards rushing in four of those six games. What would you see from Josh Allen to close the year, Will, that maybe makes you encouraged about what he can do as a sophomore in 2019?
1: He's an alpha male. This guy's an alpha. He's a dog. He's a, whatever Pete used to say. Um, drink. Uh, he. Um, I, I thought I, – look, I think – He was historically great running the ball. He's like the only guy who has the stats that Josh Allen had in his first year, Cam Newton, which is nuts. The weird thing about the Bills and what they did here, Jamie, is that they didn't mean to run him. So they basically – and this is what I worry about a little bit with Josh Allen's value in terms of being a fantasy guy moving forward is that – if the Bills actually get some weapons and they try to make him be a quarterback – and I'm doing the air quotes here uh, since people can't see me – does it reduce the value of his running? Um, I know Heath has talked at ad nauseum on this podcast about how it's not sustainable and, and it's not like he's not going to run for eight yards a carry over his career. He's a great scrambler. Uh, he can take hits because he's a big strapping young alpha male lad. Um, uh, but I don't know that the, the value there is sustainable in terms of his rushing skill set. Having said all that, uh, I would rather have Josh Allen than Matt Ryan next year, I think. I mean, I, I just, I think yeah. the I think where you draft them, um, and, and the value you can get for them, he, he when you can add rushing stats to a quarter, to a fantasy quarterback's arsenal, it, it he was, that's why he was the number one fantasy quarterback over the final ten weeks of the season or twelve weeks of the season or whatever it was. Um, and so yeah, I, I like Josh Allen. I think he is going to develop as he gets some weapons. He can throw deep you know, he can throw the bomb. He can he can rush to pick up yards. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he finished in the top twelve of fantasy quarterbacks next year, but I don't think you want to go out and pay a premium for a guy with his accuracy issues.
0: No, totally and, and I think as they like you said, increase the the weapons around him or upgrade their weapons around him. The passing sort of offsets where the rushing decline will come from. You know, So his, his passing stats will improve. Uh, they have an interesting receiving core I think there needs to be you know, using the the term where you're making fun of Pete. They need an alpha male at the receiving core <laughs> yeah. uh, because Zay Jones and Robert Foster I think are good complementary pieces, but they're not a lead guy. Now Zay Jones, he would love to play Miami, I'm sure, every time he scored four touchdowns in the two meetings against them. Finished his week 17 with six catches for 93 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets. Robert Foster, who was the guy that we were talking a lot about for week 17, four catches for 21 yards yards and a touchdown on five targets. And then we look at the running back situation. Do you anticipate LaShawn McCoy being back in Buffalo for one more year? It's his final year of his contract there for the Bills.
1: Uh, No. If it's his final year of his contract, I think they'll move on. This is a Bills team that's – it's so weird how they're doing this rebuild. And I think – credit to Sean McDermott for getting them six wins this year. This is not a six-win roster at all. Um, They've slowly been – Sort of purging, they've been purging the, actually, I don't know, yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think McCoy's back because he's got a $9 million cap hit, um, and they can save, you know, over six, like six point three million dollars in, in change in in cap space by releasing McCoy, I think they would be better off going out and getting a running back um, you know later in the draft and look Josh Allen had more rushing guards than Lashawn McCoy this year, so it wouldn 't be surprising at all to see them leave but it is a weird rebuild. they keep tearing down pieces and and trying to trying to get some younger players but they're not there, and yet they keep winning more games than they should be. It's hard right. to figure out where they are. Uh, but I would anticipate that if they can get rid of a veteran running back contract, that they will probably do that.
0: Yeah, and he did not play well at all this season. It was a big concern for us, you know, just getting older and the talent around him not being as good, the offensive line in a total rebuild.
1: You guys nailed it coming into the season. Said stay, I mean, stay away from him even in the third and fourth round, and it worked out.
0: Uh yeah he had he had some good moments but you know injuries toward the end of the season as well and and just Josh Allen stealing his production you know usually running quarterbacks help the running game but in this case it was just Josh Allen stealing all of those rushing production rushing touchdowns um so yeah we'll see the Bills are definitely going to be one of those teams that that we keep an eye on moving forward uh the Cowboys beat the Giants thirty six thirty five was a very entertaining game um I, I, again I don't want to really get in too much with the playoff teams but how surprised were you that Dak Prescott played as much as he did
1: I was very surprised and very annoyed um I had a teaser uh Texans minus a half a point Giants at a pickem that uh should have hit Really should have hit, and it didn't because Jason Garrett is a uh, clown shoe wearing goofball who needed to get ten wins and pass Chan Gailey for the cow get momentum going into the playoffs. I, I didn't think it was smart at all. I understand that you were trying to build confidence for Dak. You had the confidence there at halftime. Get Cooper Rush in there. Make sure Dak stays healthy. It worked out fine for them. Leighton Vander Esch, uh, you know, suffered an injury at some point, but he came back out and was blocking a, you know, blocking on extra points. I mean, it, to me, it's wild. Um, I. I was very surprised they left them out there, but I understand that they're now enthusiastic going into the matchup against Seattle at home, uh, one which I think they will ultimately lose, but that that's for another discussion down the road. Uh,
0: you were on the same page with that in every accord with what you just said because if you're going to bench Ezekiel Elliott, you should not be playing right. back.
1: Right, Zach, Zach Martin too. Like, what, what, Zach is,
0: Martin too yeah. what are we yeah. doing at, here? We, we went in length on this on, uh, on, on CBS Sports HQ yesterday. It was just very, very puzzling. Um, these two teams are interesting because I've gone back and forth and my number two overall pick for 2019 at the two running backs. Now, mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley put on another show, 17 from 109 in the touchdown, uh, was again involved in the passing game, as he usually is. Four catches for 33 yards on eight targets. He sets the rookie record for receptions in a season, uh, passing Reggie Bush. So he's a star. Who would you take in number two overall, regardless of format, Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley in 2019?
1: I would take Barkley. I want the younger guy. Zeke Elliott's right there, too. And the Cowboys did a really good job of involving him in the passing game. Uh, and his production didn't go down when Amari Cooper got traded. You know what I mean? He, like, he, that's when yep. he. It, oh, it spiked, yeah, it yeah. spiked like crazy because they were able to really kind of get the attention off of Zeke in the passing game and to, and to open it up and, and they, they converted, they saw a massive spike in, in terms of first downs per game and that resulted in more carries for Zeke and, and more yards and his yards per carry went up. So I, I, don't think you could go wrong with Zeke. Um, and I think that Zeke probably, I don't, I, see here's the thing, Jamie. RJ, RJ White and I talked before the season. And he was sort of caught. We were having just a debate about whether Saquon Barkley could live up to the hype. Well, every everything went wrong for Saquon. The offensive line stunk. Eli Manning was trash. Um, the, you know, they were they were they force fed him, and it didn't it didn't work out a lot of the times. And he still exceeded expectations in terms of his fantasy production. So I think I would go with the younger Barkley, but I would have no problem if somebody went Elliott at number two.
0: Uh, you're talking to somebody cause I, I, the one thing that stands out between the two of them and, and they're both, elite, it, and, and for all of us, the, and when I say that myself, Dave and Heath, they're two, three in, in some order, yeah. Dave and Heath both have Barkley over Elliot and I've gone back and forth. I've done it, you know, probably 50 times. and I've only done this one, one exercise of doing the rankings is because Zeke scored nine total touchdowns. Mm. Barkley scored 15. I don't see there's any scenario of him scoring fewer than twelve rushing touchdowns and probably another three or four receiving touchdowns based on how he was using the passing game this year.
1: Do 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 you think? Sorry, not to but Do you definitively think that Zeke Elliott because Zeke went from thirty nine targets to thirty eight targets in twenty seventeen to ninety five targets this year? That is a wild disparity in terms of a jump in volume. Do you think that he can equal that? Because because if, if, if Zeke Elliott's getting ninety targets and over 300 carries, then he, I, I, in fact, he shouldn't be number two. He should be number one.
0: Yeah. Again. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of in the neighborhood that he lives. It's just that Todd Gurley's just on a different level because of what he does scoring touchdowns as well. And what his involvement has been in the passing game since Sean McVay took over. But I think all three of those guys you can make a case are, are the number one guy. And and this isn't, and I'm sure they would say the same thing. This isn't a anti, and, and you illustrated this as well. This isn't an anti Zeke or an anti Barkley. It's just, which of the guys do you feel is better than the other? I just look at the return of Travis Frederick, which seems like it's going to happen, yeah still that having that offensive line, and if Eli just continues to decline a little bit now he played very well despite everything that's happened to him, his you know uh, numbers haven't exactly been awful, given what the perception is of Eli Manning um but I just look at what uh Elliot did as a pass catcher and the touchdown spike that should be coming uh, or or as Heath would say, the regression that should be coming positive regression. Um, I think that's going to make him just a slightly little bit of a better player, fantasy player than what Barkley is. But if you tell and, and Dave said this yesterday, it's almost like you want to pick third because you get the better pick in the second round. and You still may end up with the better player if, in fact, somebody passes on maybe Gurley or passes on Elliott or Barkley and you end up with uh, that guy. Well,
1: by, um, by the way, with Barkley, too, one thing that is interesting to watch is if Odell Beckham is healthy. And it's not Saquon's rookie year where they drafted him number two and the heat is on them because of these other quarterbacks. Does the volume come down a little bit for Saquon? Because I mean he got hundred and twenty one targets. That's that's obscene. Like that oh. is that is obscene for a running back.
0: Yeah, something you have to be concerned about. One more quick note on the Giants. Can you see a scenario where Evan Ingram can can play well with Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard? Because that's been very frustrating when all those guys have been healthy.
1: No. Um and I think that next year is going to be another, you know, look, this is, it's January, it's December 31st or January 1st, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, so it's a little early to say you need to draft a tight end early, but it made a world of difference this year to have Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, or George Kittle. And I think, you know, you're going to see Kelsey and Ertz in the two to three range next year. You're going to see Kittle probably in the four to five range, if not maybe even higher, depending on what people are doing in their drafts. And and I think that that elite tight end is going to be somebody uh, that makes a, a world of difference because the next tier of guys, Evan Ingram, Jimmy Graham, um, Trey Burton, you know, whoever else you want. To include in that they're just not I mean Gronk even is in the second tier I think they're just not reliable at this stage of the game
0: oh for sure and, and the one the one argument against that would be is where you got Kittle sure. because th- there's going to be one or two guys and, I, and I, I'm hoping that Hunter Henry's return to health that's a good, good call o, o, OJ Howard's return to health you know those two guys can take that next step and then maybe D- David Njoku as well depending on who the coach is there so there are some young tight ends you could point to but yeah the the old retread guys especially with Greg Wilson maybe being done Delaney Walker falling apart uh, that will be some new blood coming uh, coming along the way and and finding that next george kill, I think is gonna be fun in some way
1: what do you think about using doing leagues where you have a tight end wide receiver hybrid spot instead of a um, instead of just like a strict tight end spot? are you pro or yep. against that?
0: Uh, I, I'm against it just from the standpoint of I like the strategy of trying to find the next tight end. But I'm I'm more always in, uh, of the inclination to try and find the next guy at whatever position it may be. Sure. So I like that challenge. But I, I I understand why leagues are doing it because if you do hit on Kelsey and Ertz, and you, you kind of alluded to this, it gives you such a difference at that spot. You know, you're know, you talking four or five fantasy points in some leagues depending on the scoring that it's unfair just because you may have either picked that guy because you picked at the swing at one, two, or in, in this case this past year, two, three. And you didn't give anybody else the advantage of doing that, and just somebody got lucky with with picking up George Kittle where they did, who had an amazing season. Let's go now to that 49ers game. I'm going to skip around a little bit again, just because of the playoff games. I don't think we need to talk about Atlanta and Tampa it's your Bay pod, because most with uh,
1: you do whatever you want. It's your podcast. No,
0: I'm just talking for the listener. You know, I don't think we need to talk <laughs> about Atlanta and Tampa Bay because we're going to get into that with the coaching changes. Um, but the 49ers, you know, a lot is going to change with their roster based on the return to health of Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared McKinnon. The receiving core was just completely beaten up, certainly going into Week 17. No Dante Pettis, no Marquise Goodwin. Uh, Pierre Garçon has been placed on injured reserve. Um, George Kittle, like you said, was a star. Set the record for what? Most receptions for tight end, most receiving yards? Was it both?
1: Uh, most receiving yards. I don't know about receptions. Definitely okay. most receiving yards.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, no, Ertz had set the record for most receiving, most receptions. So he did that two weeks that's
1: ago. that's right. That's right.
0: That's right. In a, in any event, George Kittle was a star. Nine for one forty nine and one. Uh, you said this. He's going to be the number three tight end. Heath hasn't ranked as the second tight end ahead of Zach Ertz. Would you consider doing that? Taking Kelsey one, Kittle two, Ertz three, or is Kittle firmly at number three for you?
1: I think one of the things you have to consider with um with so he Heath would have Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz.
0: Yes, Dave and I have it. Kittle at three, behind the other
1: two. No, I think you have to go Ertz at two. Ertz has a look. Kittle's a stud, and Kittle's going to be very good. Um, one of the things that I think will be different, though, about what you'll see, uh, we're presuming here, the health of Carson Wentz and the health of Jimmy Garoppolo. When when Wentz was in there, and I get that that Ertz had a monster week, uh, sixteen with with (laughs) Foles and and won me a title uh, with Foles there, but. Ertz was a, it was a monster because Wince was healthy most of the year and it dropped off a little bit at the beginning. He didn't come out of the gate scorching hot and he dropped off a little bit at first with Foles. So I would be worried about that. Fading urge if Wentz is healthy for the full year. And then the other thing I think too, when you have Jimmy Garoppolo under center instead of CJ Bethard or Nick Mullins, it's going to give so many other weapons the opportunity to flourish. Jimmy Garoppolo was developing a rapport with Marquise Goodwin. Um, you know, we saw Dante Pettis come along strong and Kittle to me really felt like, of course, you know, McKinnon there as well. Kittle felt like a guy who was getting fed the ball a ton, especially because those quarterbacks who were, you know, a tier down were, were getting in spots where they really had to check down and had to, and had to go to the tight end. Kittle's a superstar, don't get me wrong, and I I think he's a stud, uh, but I would easily take Ertz over him next year. I
0: I think, and I don't want to speak for Heath, the one concern could be Dallas Goddard getting more reps and maybe getting a little bit more production taking away from Ertz, but I I think you're splitting hairs because, like you just said, they're going to take away a little bit from Kittle with the addition of some of the weapons back there. would
1: Would you consider going Ertz, or would you consider putting Kelsey as the third guy in that?
0: Uh you can. I I I would just take him because I think you, you see what this offense has been, Andy Reid's track record with using the tight end. Sure. Um one one thing we were talking about, I'm curious your take on this, is at what point do you see the three tight ends coming off the board? Dave thinks, which I don't agree with, that you could still get maybe Kelsey or Ertz at the back end of round two. I think you're gonna see those guys, the first two, Kelsey and Ertz, maybe as early as the swing at one two, just based on what the difference they make at that position, and maybe you get Kittle at the two, three turn, but Like, at this point for me, I haven't gone through my top 20. You know, we're we're just doing top 12s at this point. I could see Kittle and and Ertz in the top 15 and maybe going ahead of guys at the receiver position like Beckham, like Juju, like T.Y. Hilton, guys in that second tier of the first group of wide receivers.
1: Uh, Just looking back at, like, my main league, uh, which was a 12-team. Dudes get, some friends of mine from college. So it's like a pretty, I mean, pretty generic league, right? Like you got an average group. I mean, Kelsey went with the first pick around three. I would not be surprised at all if Kelsey was a first round pick by somebody at 11 or 12 this year. Right. If they didn't like the running backs or the wide receivers, um, I, he will, I don't think he'll make it to that, to that. Like if you have the first pick, I don't think you're getting Kelsey in the second round. And then Ertz was a, was a, he was a fourth round pick this year. I think he probably goes in the second round. May, maybe you could get him on the wrap at two and three with Ertz. Um, it just depends on where the wide receivers are and and like you said with Hunter Henry uh, what else is going on at that position but I I would be very surprised if either I would be very surprised if either of those guys make it to the third round and I wouldn't be stunned at all if Kittle went in the third round
0: yeah it's just just one of those situations where you get that stud player like Travis Kelsey's numbers were very comparable to Devontae Adams this year. You know, that's just, and he was the number one receiver. just, Just goes to show you what those guys are doing as they're entering their prime. They're basically Rob Gronkowski, what we used to talk about him year after year after year. Uh, are the 49ers, one of those teams that you're going to try and maybe target some guys off of next year, just based, it sounds like you are based on what you're talking about. No, Adam has said like one of his favorite targets next year will be Dante Pettis, just based on what he showed us towards the end of the season. But are you going to buy back into maybe Jarek McKinnon? If you were buying it to begin with, are you going to buy Jimmy Garoppolo and, and, and any of the other receivers besides George Kittle?
1: I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what I am, what I'm missing. If, um, on Kittle, because we, we wrote about the, I wrote about this previously. No, no, Kittle, excuse me, on McKinnon. But like, they have an out where, uh, they could, I mean, you know, they could cut him and, and wow. they, could, they could move on and would, it would be a $6 million dead cap hit, but it wouldn't be anything insane. I I don't know if they're going to do that, but you do have a, you know, a smaller running back coming off an ACL tear. Maybe the 49ers would rather go out and spend big on Le'Veon Bell to put next to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that would be entirely shocking. Somebody's going to pay Bell. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think they're a good buyback team. It's like the, the, I think it's more of a phrase for, for baseball, fantasy baseball, but a post hype sleeper. Yep. Where it's like you know the 49ers, were people were picking them, Jimmy Garoppolo. People were picking Jimmy Garoppolo to win MVP. We're picking the 49ers to win ten games to win the division, and that turned out to be comically uh incorrect, and they they crushed their under in terms of Vegas's total. So I think people will be a little bit down on them. the hype won't be there, and so yeah, Garoppolo would be a, a later round quarterback for me to buy. Uh, Dante Pettis is absolutely somebody I'll target because I think he's an excellent route runner who also has good hands and, and blazing speed. I think Mar- Marquise Goodwin was someone that I I liked is to maybe perform as a wide receiver one this year. And clearly that didn't happen. But I think he has the upside of a – like you can get him as a wide receiver two or wide receiver three next year, and he has that wide receiver one upside. So yeah, Oh, you
0: can get him as a five next year. That's you think so? Going. Yeah, because anytime somebody burns you to this level yeah. and there's still some uncertainty – plus I would, I would imagine they move on from Pierre Garçon and they bring in someone of in maybe name value or someone with some upside – whether it's the draft or free agency, so I think there's going to be a little bit of you can take him with one of your late round picks and be and, and certainly you know get by with that. Uh, I want to move on to the Lions and the Packers. Uh, embarrassing loss for Green Bay, thirty-one nothing. The Lions win. So these two teams are going to have some changes, but at least you know the coaches are somewhat intact again. So we're jumping around a little bit, just getting away from the coaching changes and the playoff teams. Uh, with the Packers, you want to hear about a a, a daily uh, mistake that I made in, in, in several of my daily um lineups yesterday? Oh, no. I had Zay Jones and Chris Godwin in several lineups. And then when they ruled Devontae Adams inactive, I replaced all those guys with Marcos Valdez-Scantling.
1: Oh, no. Every
0: single one. Not that I didn't like those guys. I just thought, okay, here's MVS's time at home against Detroit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and then Rodgers, as we know, suffers the concussion. Uh, how are you viewing Aaron Rodgers in 2019?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. Look, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Most talented physical quarterback of all time. I haven't drafted Aaron. Ro- I've drafted Aaron Rodgers. I think once in four or five years. I, the price is too much to buy Aaron Rodgers. And I it think may not be, though, now. No, that that was going to say, I think that if you saw him fall to the fourth or fifth round, then maybe you swoop in and scoop him up. Um, how like Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be a first round pick
0: his average draft position will probably end up being round one anytime you see 50 touchdowns at 5,000 yards and I think Heath said this uh, I haven't looked at it myself but prior to week 16 prior to week 17 excuse me he was like seven points on average better than Roethlisberger who was the number two quarterback going into that scoring period so uh yes he probably will be end of round one our drafts will probably be somewhere in that end of round two range I
1: I think that you'll see just based on you know, based on what what happened in um, in 2018, I think that you'll see uh, Mahomes go early. You know, you'll see Roethlisberger have a tick up. I think Luck will go really early. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Andrew Luck went before Aaron Rodgers next year. Um, I
0: think uh, Heath has it ranked that way. Maybe Dave. Wow. No, I think they both do. They both have Andrew Luck ranked ahead of Aaron Rodgers. I have Rodgers at two. I would not be surprised if, based on how, because I like the way our our, our fantasy. Owners, our fantasy community, at least for CBS Sports, because I can only track our average draft position, that they finally got it to let quarterbacks go a little bit later. Rogers went in the round two range, which is rare. um He may be not to the same level because Andrew Luck fell with a lot of concern, but he may be in that Andrew Luck type of range where you get him later than normal, and then he has that huge resurgence yeah again, depending on coaching. I should apologize. I know I said we we're going to skip away from uh, jump around from the coaching changes, but. I wanted to get into just Rodgers a little bit for a no, second. No, no, no
1: but, uh, Yeah, so to your point, yeah, I've never drafted Aaron Rodgers. It's been too expensive. Um... I think that this is a target this is a season where I would end up targeting him depending on what goes on like if I can get him in the 5th late 4th round or 5th round that I would probably take a flyer on him there because you can establish you know you can go running back you know, two running backs and a wide receiver two wide receivers and a running back grab Rodgers build that core and you have a quarterback who could end up leading the you know leading the league and scoring and having a monster year I do think though that if they get a coach in there like uh you know Sean McVay type who's an offensive mind and Rodgers is looking healthy and slinging the ball McDaniels. around. Yep. Yeah, McDaniels that that you're going to see the hype train get back going sure. and that might make it tough but yeah look if if Rodgers is the, is a huge value I'll buy in because that's how you win your fantasy leagues by getting guys who can be elite talents at later levels when they're discounted like Drew Brees this year or uh Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yeah and and you brought up another one with Leonard Fournette too for for 2019. Yeah. Sure, so yeah sure. Please yeah. Rodgers. Um Sorry, this,
1: this is my June magazine draft. It's uh, it's, it's Leonard <laughs> Fournette, and Aaron Rodgers.
0: Right after you take Saquon Barkley and, and <laughs> um, right. with uh, Jamal Williams, he was he was a dud in Week 17, but he was awesome in Week 16. Is this still Aaron Jones as the main guy next year, coming back from the knee injury?
1: Yeah, and I think I mean I just think that as long as you've got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on this team, I mean like they're not going to bring in Brian Schottenheimer to run the t- to run the offense, right? I mean like they're gonna they're still going to wing it around. One would think that. Mike, you know, who, whoever replaces Mike McCarthy would be willing to, you know, establish a feature back. But what if it's Josh McDaniels? I mean, you can't, it's, you know, we, we say you can't trust Belichick with running backs, but it's really McDaniels who's deploying them. So if McDaniels ends up going there, I think it's a stay away situation for me from a running back uh, perspective, unless, um, you know, Jam- like if Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are both there, I'd be worried about that. I think they would probably add a pass catching running back as well. So um, I think Aaron, right now I will default to say Aaron Jones is the guy, but I, that It's not a situation I'm going to be enthusiastically targeting.
0: Yeah, coach will matter. But I I think Aaron Jones, you know, if Jamal Williams had had another dominant game, then it'd be okay. Maybe there's going to be back to a split like we saw when they were rookies. You know, both of them obviously battled some injuries. But I think what Aaron Jones showed when he was healthy puts him in position to be in the driver's seat. That's what I would hope. Uh, Jamal Williams going back to a little bit of a reserve role. And if that's the case, I think Aaron Jones will probably slip a little bit. Like I was originally going to put him in my top 12 running backs for the early rankings um now he's probably in that 15 20 range but if I can get him round four or later that's going to be someone I target all day long just sure. again depending on what the coaching staff looks like uh for the Lions I think a lot of this had to do with injury Kenny Galladay did not play in week 17 but he looks like to be a star in the making Marvin Jones will bounce back hopefully and be sort of that secondary piece number three type wide receiver with number two upside if things go right and the same thing with Carryon Johnson uh, anything different that you see from the Lions with their skill players? Again, injury was a big factor for them, certainly how they closed the season.
1: No, I, I agree with you completely that Galladay and, and Johnson could be really interesting guys to add in terms of um, they, 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 people, there was there was hype around them, they performed at a nice level, but we're, we're all conditioned to have you know, this memory of what happened last and Galladay and carry John, on Johnson disappointed for us for everybody because of injuries. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they provide really nice value. I do think one of the things I, I'm worried about, dude, have you looked at Matthew Stafford's stats for the final seven games of the season? Awful. It's disastrous. He threw, I think it's like seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. I mean, that's,
0: but, but I, I think, you know, again, part of that is losing Marvin Jones, losing Golden Tate and trade. Yep. Losing on Johnson as a threat of a run game. You know, so I don't really want to fully evaluate Matthew Stafford. Nobody's drafting him as a starter next year in one quarterback league. So he'll be one of those Derek Carr type of guys in a two-quarterback league, Eli Manning type of guys that you just kind of settle for. And maybe there is some bounce-back appeal, but it's not going to be someone that you can trust in where he's been the last you know, four or five years where he's almost you know, defaulted to being a top-12 guy.
1: Jamie, he had in his final seven games – this is unbelievable. Matthew Stafford once threw for five. I mean, like he's thrown for five thousand passing yards, um, and and led the league in a. He threw seven hundred twenty-seven passing attempts in two thousand and twelve, and threw for five thousand passing yards in two thousand eleven. In his final seven games, he averaged one hundred and ninety-nine passing yards per game and had five total touchdowns and three interceptions. The, I, I I don't I don't know what to make of that, and I know that they're committed to Matthew Stafford, and I understand the weapons will be better next year. Um, but you know, if he's man, if he if they're going to play that type of game with Matthew Stafford, then I don't see how and in, in limit his attempts. I, I don't know that the upside is there for those wide receivers.
0: Yeah, um, and and Heath has Kenny Galladay ranked in his top twelve at the receiver position. I do think he's going to be one of those guys that has that takes the next step. Top twelve. He hasn't 12. No, I don't agree with that, but he's he's top 15. I mean, he's certainly in that category. You know, entering his third season, that's typically when guys take that you know leap. And he's got the physical gifts. You know, what he showed us this year when the targets were up. And you know, again, take that into account with Marvin Jones missing a good portion of the second half of the year after they traded Golden Tate. But still, it's a receiving core that's going to probably lean on those two guys. And with a defense that may put them in position where they still have to throw uh, even more. There's four teams I want to get to before we wrap this up uh, in terms of the teams that are out of the playoffs or not dealing with new coaches, Minnesota being one. Um, We know they made the coordinator change uh, a few weeks ago, getting rid of uh, DiFilippo and bringing in Kevin Stefanski. I'm assuming based on the relationship between Stefanski and Mike Zimmer, that's probably going to be the the two guys in place at the top of the offensive side of things, at least. Next year, Zimmer is the head coach, Stefanski is the office coordinator. Um, Kirk Cousins had a meltdown to close the year, arguing with Adam Thielen on the sidelines. How do you evaluate this uh, this passing game? Because clearly Dalvin Cook's got a lot of upside, but looking at the passing game next year with Diggs and Thielen and Cousins, who is by far not worth the $84 million guaranteed, uh, how do you break that down?
1: Yeah, I think that what you're going to see is an emphasis from Mike Zimmer on getting better in the trenches and being able to run the ball more and being able to to you know be better at play action than they had been. It's pretty wild that – you know, look, I mean, Kirk, here, the bottom line, Kirk Cousins completed 70% of his passes, had 4,300 passing yards and 30 touchdowns and 10 receptions. He was a really good fantasy quarterback and he didn't have, um, well, you know, he's, what, he was a fringe QB1, right? I mean, like, you, if you, if you had him as your QB1 all year, you weren't disappointed unless he was playing in primetime. Um, Thielen, I think the problem with Thielen is that he cooled off, but he was always going to cool off. I mean, he, he broke Jerry Rice's records and, you know, his final, five games, teams really started targeting. We only had 20 catches for 235 yards. I mean, that's a killer. Thielen might actually present a little bit of value. I don't, I don't think they're going to start going away from him, but I do think that what they're going to, I think that Diggs might be the guy I want more than Thielen next year. If that, if ultimately this becomes a run Dalvin cook, and I think Dalvin cook could be a, is a second round value as well. If you if did, you yep. didn't go in the first round, uh, he was fantastic in those last couple of games. Diggs is the guy that's going to be getting the play action shots. Like Thielen is kind of the ball control chain moving guy in in the first, whatever it was, seven weeks of the season where he's just a target hog. You know, he was, he was getting more of that action. I think Diggs might be the, the bigger play guy that they utilize in this play action offense. And I, I just think that they're, Mike Zimmer, when he decided to stay with Minnesota, He is going to get a commitment from Rick Spielman to operate the team the way he wants, both offensively and defensively. And I don't think that is good news for the volume of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs.
0: Yeah, well, well, certainly a team that's going to have a lot of eyeballs on it next year. And Cousins could be one of those guys that has a lot of bounce back appeal fantasy wise because he's not going to be drafted as a number one guy after what we saw to close the season, especially with that meltdown against the Bears when they win and they're in. And they lose, and they get bounced.
1: By the way, Diggs only finished. So Thielen finished with 153 targets. He had thirteen hundred seventy three yards. I, I would guess he's going to go in the second round next year. Um, Diggs was only four targets behind him, which is kind of shocking. Diggs had his first uh, thousand yard ce- season, and uh, and Diggs, by the way, only twenty five years old. So to me, oh, he's,
0: he's a star. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I just think I just think he like I think Thielen will go in the second or third round. I think Diggs might go in the. F- fourth
0: no they'll be they'll be very close okay. uh, last year I had them I had Diggs right ahead of Thielen I was very high on Diggs coming into the season uh, not that I discounted Thielen too much but I discounted him to do this and so I I think you'll probably see a little bit more of going back to Thielen over Diggs I don't think you're gonna see that much of a disparity though between the rounds I think it's probably four or five picks you know depending on how receivers go they'll both be top 15 caliber receivers and it goes back to you know kind of Kenny Galladay Amari Cooper you know those type of receivers that are in that you know third tier, and by third tier, I still mean top 15 uh, type of guys. The Steelers have two receivers who are going to be top 10 uh, picks at that position next year with uh, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. Do you see a scenario of taking Juju over Antonio Brown in 2019?
1: Wow. No. I mean, no, right? No. What? No. No,
0: no for me. No for Dave. Not for Heath. Heath's uh Heath and, 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 and,
1: I love Heath. I mean, I you – know, talk to heath once a week but oh, I, mean, I love Heath too that is a con- that is a contrarian of all contrarian picks
0: now everything aside from the touchdowns favored juju this year yeah we were, were very close uh receptions were in juju's favor yards were in juju's favor uh but antonio brown dwarfed him in terms of touchdowns now the argument against antonio brown would be getting a year older and juju you know clearly entering his prime he's entering his third season next year uh i would i have them ranked right now antonio brown number three juju number six Uh, Dave has Antonio Brown still number one, Juju, I believe, number seven, and Heath has it, Juju number six, Brown number seven. You know what?
1: You know what? I'm going to reverse course here and say I do agree with Heath. Um, I think that – and here's why. One – uh, Le'Veon Bell will be gone, which it means I, I, you know, they'll have James Conner and Jalen Samuels, and they they'll run the ball effectively. But this is going to be a high volume offense. I don't think the defense is going to magically turn into the steel curtain overnight. Uh, two, I do think that when you watch Antonio Brown this year, that he was. Demonstrably slower. I mean, he, he looks like he's slowing down. Now, he's still a great route runner. He's still got tremendous hands. He still made some incredible catches. But I think that, that though, that Antonio Brown's slowing down. Um, and Antonio Brown, I believe, will turn, uh, Jamie, he will turn 30. I
0: think he's 31.
1: He will turn 31 in July. Mm-hmm. So he'll be 31 coming to the season. That's not ideal. And Juju's age coupled with his production is wild. He had a 1400 yard season this year at the age of 22. So I think given that we know he's going to be in the offense, given that we know there's clearly enough volume there, both the guys had over 160 targets. I- I'm going to take the younger guy who, 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 uh, you know, it's go- is going to get action. Like I, I would be stunned if Juju's not a thousand yard receiver. So I, I I think there is a viable case to take Juju Smith-Schuster over Antonio Brown.
0: Oh, I, I I certainly understand the argument. I just think that I don't believe Antonio Brown is slowing down to the point of being passed by somebody on his own team. And, and it's just like I think Dave's a little crazy to have Brown over Adams and Hopkins. And I say that having Brown at number three, um, and it, it's it's kind of format. He depends, has he has but-
1: Brown over Adams and Hopkins.
0: He has Brown one, Adams two, Hopkins three. And again, you know, when I say this, you may see something different by the time we come to August because we're still in, in the early evaluation stage of what we're doing with our rankings. But that for right now is Dave. That's where Dave has Antonio Brown and again where Heath has Antonio Brown. Um, but I, I still think that the touchdowns matter for Antonio Brown and what he does in the red zone. Juju ha- will, will get better. Probably be, will be closer. Um, but we're, we're, we're kind of splitting hairs here a little bit. You know, Dave is the furthest apart on these two guys between one and seven, whereas Heath does have them back-to-back. If you want to pass on Antonio Brown, I get that. You could probably, at the end of the second round, take a running back and get Juju early round two, and you'll be thrilled with the production there. Um, James Conner, does he feel like a slam-dunk first-round pick?
1: Yeah, he's a first-round pick. Slam-dunk. It's a no-brainer. Um, assuming, assuming full health, how many how many receivers would you put in your first round right now?
0: I have uh, four, uh, and this is PPR. So I have Adams, Hopkins, Brown, and Julio.
1: Mm, okay, that's no, that's that's probably right. And um,
0: and they all come after pick up uh, after pick six well, seven overall is where is where they they factor in for me. Uh, I see. I, I would have
1: Michael Thomas ahead of. I would have Michael Thomas in that group too. I think.
0: Yeah, that, that's one that I struggle with uh, is is Thomas over guys like James Conner, and Nick Chubb. I just think the upside for those two guys, what we've seen from them. Uh, again for Chubb will be you know coordinator change or coaching change. Um but Connor, I think, you know, what he was doing as a receiver, he basically looked like Le'Veon Bell in terms of production. Yep. Um the uh Broncos, uh new coach, well we'll again we'll, we'll talk about them in the offseason. The the Redskins, um with what they battled through injury wise and and kind of what they're looking at going into twenty nineteen, is there anybody that you saw this season assuming <laughs> Adrian Peterson is gone and Darius Geis comes back at full health besides the running backs that you could say, I want a member of the Redskins offense on my fantasy team.
1: The Redskins are in. I mean, they would be doing Jay Gruden a favor to fire him at this point. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, like Alex Smith is uncuttable next year. He has a forty two million dollar dead cap hit if they cut him. He's owed 20 point. He's had a 20, 20 million dollar cap hit if he's healthy and plays. I mean, this they cannot cut him next year. They are stuck with him. He has a broken leg. We don't know if he's going to come back from, you know, how he's going to heal from it, how that the infection that he was battling is going to end up shaking out. And I just don't think that you can trust anything about this offense because the best case thing that they can do um, is there's two, there's two, there's three outcomes here, Jamie, for this passing game. One, Alex Smith comes back and is healthy and is a low volume, 35 year old quarterback who doesn't challenge anyone vertically. Two, they go out and sign Joe Flacco, which Again, you know, that's not, or Blake Bortles or somebody to a cheap contract because they're double dipping. And then three, they draft somebody like Daniel Jones, who just declared for the draft while we're recording this podcast, in the middle of. Of the first round and if they do that Maybe they commit to Daniel Jones the problem is They're locked into Alex Smith for two years Basically already through 2020 Um And so I, I don't Think there is any viability To the passing game here I do think Darius Geis is a nice buyback low Where you can get like the sixth or seventh round because The sure. offense will be so putrid and because He could just see a ton of volume and Volume is king in fantasy but man I don't see how you can touch anything in the passing game
0: Yeah and, and Jordan Reed we, I think we've Run our course with this until he You know, he'll be one of those guys that you either take a late-round flyer on or maybe pick up off waivers. I don't think anybody's drafting him with any semblance of confidence. Uh, Jameson Crowder, Josh Doxon, these guys have proven to be just guys. They're not difference-makers at the receiver position. And we'll see what they decide to do in the draft, if they can upgrade at any of those spots. But, yeah, Darius Geis, for me, is somebody that I'm still interested in, but at the right price. Uh, The Raiders are going to have a lot of change on their offense. Jordy Nelson looks to be their number one receiver. That's not exactly the most encouraging thing. (laughs) Eric Cook is a free agent. He had a great season, but we'll see what happens there. Their running back situation is probably going to look dramatically different. Doug Martin is a free agent. Uh, I would be surprised if Marshawn Lynch continues playing, but he surprised us before. Uh, this is this another fantasy wasteland for you too?
1: Yeah, I'm not uh, messing. Look, the Raiders are... They have three first-round picks. They're building for 2020 in Oakland. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And Las Vegas. Las Vegas, yeah. They're moving to – they might be playing – and here's the other thing about the the Raiders to really keep an eye on. It is a legitimate possibility that they play their – so they have um eight home games, obviously. One of them is already locked into being an international home game, whether it's Mexico City or London. I think what the NFL might try and do with the Raiders – Play one home game in Mexico City and play the other seven in London, and then and then have like a, or maybe play like maybe play like six more in London and try and figure something out. If if that's the case, do not draft anyone from that team. Take the under on the Raiders at five wins and profit because those guys will be bouncing back and forth all over the country, all over the globe, and you won't want anything to do with them. The volume won't matter, and and I think this is a a probably a lost offense for one more season.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I, I agree, and, and certainly location will matter. We'll get more into the Raiders this offseason. The final team I want to look at is the one that got uh, eliminated from playoff contention last night, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, disappointing ending for them, no Marcus Mariota. We don't know what his health is going to be moving forward with that nerve issue in his elbow. Uh, Derrick Henry finished the season as a star. It was another strong performance from him. Didn't score a touchdown, but 16 carries for 93 yards. Corey Davis disappointing again, 5 for 48 on seven targets, but uh, no quarterback situation there that you can say helped him. How do you evaluate the Titans going into the offseason?
1: We were having this debate in our NFL Slack room, like last Sunday or something. I don't know why, but I was, is Derrick Henry a first round pick? No, I mean I don't. Not for me, he's not. I'm just yeah. like, would you do? Don't, don't
0: be fooled by what he did at the end of the season to uh, elevate him up the, the flagpole that much. But certainly, he's put himself back in the conversation of being a third round pick and a, a strong number two running back in non PPR leagues
1: because he outscored. Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, James White, Tarico, and Marlon Mack, uh, Jordan Howard. I mean, th- th- he outscored a bunch of dudes, and and I could. Well, see- when
0: you have a two hundred four touchdown game, that's going to you know put him on a different level. But certainly, so, that man. look the way he played at the end of the season was the guy we were talking about going into the year.
1: Well, all I'm saying is that an off fantasy stupid things happen in fantasy drafts, Jamie. Offseason of hype. Mike Vrabel committing to the run, beefing up the offensive line. We're really going to get Derek some work. He's going to be the focal point of our offense. Blah, blah, blah. I could see somebody being talked into taking him on the turn. I personally would probably not take him unless it was a third round pick. Um, I I just think your investment is is safer in a wide receiver or one of those tight ends that we talked about, um, in the second round, obviously I'm not going to take him in the first round. I just think when you look at the guys that are on the list, I mean, I can, I can see how it could potentially happen. All
0: right. Um, Well, let me throw some names at you. Tell me where you start to consider Derrick Henry. All right. right. So you just listed off a few of the guys that are, that are clearly in in the conversation, but you're not taking him ahead of Gurley, Barkley, Elliott, McCaffrey, Camara, Melvin Gordon, right?
1: No, no, no. Hell no.
0: James Conner. No, heck no. Sorry. Joe Mixon, James Conner, Nick Chubb, David Johnson, Donald Cook, right? No. So he's, not a, so he's
1: not a first rounder. All right, he's not a first rounder. We would say No,
0: start. no, this, this is probably the first two rounds. Le'Veon Bell.
1: No, 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 no. I, I don't care where Le'Veon Bell lands. If he's the, if he's getting paid the way he's going to be paid after a year off, I, I'll probably take Le'Veon.
0: Philip Lindsay. Ooh.
1: no, I would go Lindsay. I think.
0: Okay, so would I? Aaron Jones.
1: I would take Derek Henry over Aaron Jones.
0: Okay, so you're you're kind of talking top fifteen. Yeah, top
1: 15 running backs. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: not what, non-PPR. PPR may change a little bit with did some you, of the, Did
1: you list uh David Johnson? Yes. Okay. All right. Um would you rather have Leonard Fournette or Derrick Henry? Oh, Henry. Okay. All right. Oh, 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 oh Henry. <laughs> uh, so
0: and, and Corey Davis, um he'll be entering his third season next year. Let's assume Mariota's back and and hopefully 100% healthy. What's your interest level on in him?
1: I will be buying a post type sleeper for him too, I think. I, you know, I thought he flashed a lot this season. He looks like he can be a volume guy who's a possession receiver and piles up yards. I think I, I, I buy into Marcus Mariota. I think Marcus Mariota is a good quarterback. I think he's been hampered by injuries and by questionable coordinators. And I think in a second year with Matt LaFleur, we could really see him, uh, Matt LaFleurish. I don't know why <laughs> somebody had to do, Azure's not here. Somebody had to step in and, with a pun. Um, <laughs> that- Yep. and um, and so I would. I'm not going to be using Mariota as like a fantasy quarterback, but I think you know Corey Davis is going sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Yeah, you know, at at, uh, well, he
0: might go later this year.
1: No, no, no. Last year he was. Oh
0: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. This year I think you get him in like the eighth, ninth, and tenth round, and he's somebody who really presents value and has that wide receiver one upside if everything breaks right. Uh, but probably you know a wide receiver three floor. So I would I I like the idea of buying into Corey Davis at a much cheaper cost.
0: Uh, I'm I'm in total agreement with you. All right, so we covered. Just based on some of the coaching changes, the Bengals, the Dolphins, Cardinals, Jets, Broncos, bucks they all make coaching changes going into uh, the start of the offseason. The Packers and the Browns have already made their coaching fires. We'll see what they do in terms of their coaching hires. And then we covered the teams that uh, are eliminated from playoff contention. Again, we're going to talk a lot about these teams, but I uh, wanted to leave the playoff teams because we'll talk about that on our next show and just kind of what their outlook is going into Card weekend. But I want to get your quick predictions, Will. Uh, Houston Indy, who wins?
1: I Man, this is a tough one. It's going to be awesome. Deshaun Watson on the big stage. He elevated his game in two years with Clemson. Never seen him in the playoffs, but I will not be fading Andrew Luck and Frank Wright, who I think is a better coach than Bill O'Brien. So I will take the Colts.
0: I will take the Colts as well. Chargers, Ravens, who do you like there?
1: You know I ride or die with Philip Rivers. <laughs> All so, right. you know, so I, I, I think I, I, this is interesting. I read about this for, um, in my column on, on Monday on CBSSports.com, but do you know who the last quarterback to beat a top five DVOA defense in the playoffs was as a rookie?
0: I'm going to guess Philip Rivers. Joe Flacco. Oh, there so, you go.
1: So the last guy to do it as a rookie was Flacco. Now Lamar Jackson has to do it. Also, no one's, I, since 2008, no one has beaten a top, a top 10 defense. Um, Twice in one season. So, like, I, I think it's very tough for Lamar Jackson, that Ravens offense, to beat the Chargers in in con- like a borderline consecutive week. So I like the Chargers in that spot.
0: Okay. I like the Ravens at home just based on the way their defense is playing. Uh, Philly and Chicago, who do you like there?
1: I think Chicago is going to bloodbath the Eagles. The the dream the Nick Foles dream dies. That narrative is a little misplaced.
0: Especially since he's not 100%. He is going to play dealing with that rib injury, but not going to be at full strength. And then finally Dallas and Seattle, the confident Dak Prescott going against the Seahawks who the Seahawks beat them already once this year.
1: I got a text today from a friend of mine, a friend of yours, said what did it say? It says uh we had, we ended up having a long conversation. He said Bears, Chargers, Bears, Cowboys.
0: He says, oh, I know what this
1: is. Nick Costas thinks the yep. Cowboys are going to smash the Seahawks, which makes me love the Seahawks even more. I've been saying for five weeks, Jamie, you could see it coming down the pipe. As soon as Alex Smith got hurt and, and the Cowboys started to take control of that division, the Cowboys were going to be the four seed. Yep, the Seahawks would be the five seed, and Seattle was going to be an underdog going in there. And I love Russell. Uh, I love Russell Wilson as an underdog going into uh, into Dallas. I think this is the Seahawks easy.
0: Yeah, I said this on uh, CBS Sports HQ and, and in a similar text message to uh, Mr. Costa <laughs> I will bet against Jason Garrett almost every time because I think he will do something like he did in week 17. Well,
1: how about the fact that in week 17, Jason Garrett just pulls it out, and lays it on the table, and is going for every fourth down on like, like in sight, like, you don't, why don't you do this normally, dude? What are you doing?
0: Because he had nothing to lose. And exactly. he should have been playing his quarterback out there without his starting left guard and without his starting running back. So it was a little bit strange to see how they operated there. Will, I want to thank you so much for uh, our first postseason podcast, our first uh, podcast in the offseason without Adam Mazer and, and Dave Richard and Heath Cummings. And um, please check out Will Brinson on the Pick 6 podcast. Read all of his stuff on cbsports.com And, Will, hopefully you will be uh, kind enough to join us again. And you're going to be taking part in our first mock draft on, uh, on Thursday. So that will be fun to see if you uh, follow suit with your – post-type sleepers with some of the guys you talked about yeah
1: it's perfect because you know, Adam Ager is out being a good parent he's in his first like six months of being a dad uh, to, to do this podcast I gave my son an iPad and uh, to <laughs> do that mock draft I will be uh, leaving my son's birthday so uh, that's welcome You know, enjoy your enjoy your precious time being a good father while he's young right. Adam because you're about to you're about to go up the rails once he's five
0: uh, dedication I love it well thank you so much so over at this Jamie Eisenberg. gotta go by and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon